0: This is Kurt Von Eschen, the Experience Lead at Battle Creek Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you're listening to The Practical Worship Podcast.
1: Well, hello, and welcome to The Practical Worship Podcast. I'm Dave Dolphin, and this is a show designed to help you lead a worship band and be a leader of people. And we release a new episode on the first Friday of every single month. So if you haven't already, consider subscribing on whatever app you're using right now to listen to your podcast on so you'll never miss another one. It is so good to hang out with you. This is episode 23, and today's guest is Kurt Von Eschen. He is the experienced leader at Battle Creek Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he leads the worship production and creative teams at all six of their locations. And before that, he was on staff at Willow Creek Community Church in the Chicago area as one of their worship pastors. And as his current title suggests, he is over the entire experience that someone has when they walk through the doors of Battle Creek Church and how that experience pushes them closer in their relationship with Jesus. And a lot of that has to do with creating moments within the service that go beyond just picking a couple of songs before the senior pastor gets up and shares his message. Moments can be sharing a verse or a special song or a testimony video of it. But the point is, is to be intentional about where you're taking people within a service and planning ahead of time to lead them there. We talk about their process from the moment the senior pastor has a sermon topic idea, to the day everything hits the stage and everything in between. We talk about how to have the end in mind when you're planning a service, and we talk about how to evaluate a service and how to give and receive feedback. And the point of all of this is to give people an opportunity to have a real encounter with Jesus, but it's up to us to set the table. I really enjoyed this conversation with Kurt, and I'm excited to share it with you here in just a moment. But first, the product of the month is the Color Colorband Linear Wash Lighting Fixture. The last two videos that I made on YouTube had to do with our lighting and our stage design. And in both those videos, a lot of people commented or just would reach out to me with through DMs and ask me, hey, Tell me about those fixtures that you're using to light your backdrop. And so I would tell them that the fixtures that we were using were these Chauvet color bands, and it's just a long strip, about three feet wide, of LED lights that you can change to various different colors. They're perfect for uplighting something by just sitting them on the floor, or you can actually mount them to something, and then you can downlight with them. They're really bright. I love how even the wash of color is across the bar, and they have really good color mixing. Obviously, they're going to be good at red and green and blue and just kind of those main... LED colors. But um, some of the colors they make with orange and yellow and even white look really good on these fixtures. You can control them like we do with DMX, or you can also control them just through Bluetooth and through your phone and iPad if you don't have like a really complicated lighting setup. Some of the things that I really like about these fixtures, one is that you can divide this three-foot bar into three separate zones. So on one unit, you can actually control it like you have three different lights. So for us, we have six of these fixtures. That gives us 18 total zones that we can use to make some really nice color gradients across our entire backdrop. Also, what I found with some of these more you know affordable priced fixtures, uh, and Chavez is really good about being kind of in that entry-level middle price point, a lot of cheaper LED fixtures will flicker on video, and it has to do with just how LED works, but these fixtures don't, and so they look really good on video without spending a lot of money on some higher-end fixtures. I'll put a link to the Chave Color Band in the show notes, and you can learn more about it there. And as always, all the things that we talk about throughout the entire episode, from YouTube videos to books to other products, you can find them by just going to practicalworshipblog.com slash Podcast 23. And now here's my conversation with Kurt Von Eschen. Kurt Von Eschen, welcome to the show. So glad to be here. Thank you so much, Dave. You and I have something in common that I actually. I grew up in Schaumburg, Illinois, and so I originally was in the Chicago area, which is like 15 minutes, my house is 15 minutes from the main Willow Creek campus, Yep. and you spent nine years there, and then you moved from Chicago to Oklahoma, so you and I have in common that we went from the brutal winters yes. of Chicago to the holy land of Oklahoma and all of that.
0: No, it's it's amazing to live in Tulsa. Our winters are so much better here, but we do have to deal with the threat of tornadoes. So there's, there's pros and cons to both.
1: So you've been here for a little over a year. I mean, is there any like culture shock coming from like, because a lot of the places you've hung out has been like in the, the northern areas of the United States. And now all of a sudden you've come down to Oklahoma. Was there any like culture shock or something that surprised you when you got here?
0: I think the thing that surprises me is that there's more churches than there are Starbucks. And, uh, and the fact that the people here are super friendly, there's tons of great places to eat. And uh, it's, it's just been an awesome time getting to know people here and enjoy the environment. It's been cool.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it, it, Oklahoma has a definite vibe. I remember there was one time where, uh, You know, I moved from Chicago to Oklahoma like in the sixth grade. So it was super young. I was it was the middle of the eighties. And uh and so three weeks before we moved to Oklahoma, this guy across the street of this house that I lived in in Chicago, he moved his family from Tulsa to the Chicago area. So we're getting ready to experience, we're getting ready to go from Chicago to Tulsa. He came from Tulsa and he's coming to Chicago and it was like right in the middle of winter. It was November and everything. And so I remember remember like one day seeing him out there and he's got a snow shovel and he is trying to shovel his driveway. And as quickly as he is trying to shovel this thing, it is filling back up with snow because of the drift and everything else. And so the very next day, he had the biggest snowblower that Sears had. I think he just said, okay, if I'm going to live here, we're going to do this, right? (laughs) I've had one of those snowblowers actually
0: from Sears. It was a craftsman. And it was like moving a tank. It was so difficult. And I'm so glad to not. I gave it away when I left. I was like, I'm just gonna bless you with this, brother.
1: <laughs> and I'm gonna go ahead and sell it and I'm gonna use that money to pay for a storm shelter that sits in my garage.
0: That's correct. That's exactly the truth.
1: Have you actually spent some time in a in a storm shelter during our tornado season?
0: There was one time this uh this spring where we were probably in it five, maybe six times in one day. But not much, not on a regular basis, just one bad day.
1: I think it's so funny just how, you know, when you get conditioned to weather, because, you know, when you live up north, the snow, You and my wife's family is from North Dakota. Like, negative seven is is a normal thing, and you just, you figure out how to live with that, and you plug your cars in at night and that kind of stuff. And then here in the south, I mean, tornadoes, like, if you're from the north and you've never been in the south, you're like, tornadoes, those things scare me. Yep. Around here, it's like, I don't know if you've experienced this, but, like, when when the sirens go off, when a, a tornado is coming through and you hear all the sirens all around time going off, what that means apparently is that you must immediately get up and go to your front porch and film it.
0: That's right. That's exactly what you do. You And then you watch it until it's about ready to hit your house.
1: <laughs> My word. There's so many videos that I've seen. I'm like, why are you not underground right now? And it's just because you're just conditioned to it.
0: It's the truth. If I got to be honest, it, it's funny. A year ago, I told God, God, I don't ever want to move to Tulsa because they got rattlesnakes, they got tornadoes and high humidity, and the Lord led me here a year later. So,
1: What a sense of humor.
0: Yep, seriously. So now I'm telling God, God, don't move me to Hawaii. I don't ever want to go there.
1: (laughs) Please, 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 no, no, that would be such suffering. Uh, well, you are, in the last year or so, I mean, you've been a lot of different places, but the last year or so, you have been at Battle Creek Church in the Tulsa area, and you are the uh, the experienced leader that is in charge of production and worship and creative and all of that, and I wanted to have a kind of a conversation about just the process that you guys have there at Battle Creek uh, when it comes to uh, crafting these services, and I think sometimes we as worship leaders get so focused on on we got to get four songs on the stage and so we're thinking picking songs and rehearsing a band and sound checking and all that and that's a part of it but there's so many more elements to think about and consider about you know when someone walks in the doors what do they experience and so i guess starting with the end in mind before we get into the nuts and bolts and practical when it comes to like Battle Creek church what do you want people to walk away with when they're leaving a service that you've been in charge of?
0: Yeah, that's a good thing to ask. Uh, my primary goal, above all else, is that uh, I have a passion that people would experience and encounter Jesus, uh, that they would become more aware of His presence, not just on the weekend, but in their daily lives, and uh, that Jesus would be the main and central thing of our worship. Sometimes we can make uh, we can get so in love with a song that a song becomes our worship, and Jesus needs to be the center point of our worship. and so we really tried to create moments where we where people will experience and encounter Jesus because often people won't remember the message a day later. Uh, they're seven times more likely to remember a song. But you will actually imprint something on their brain if you can help them feel something, if you can help them experience something. And so, um, and I'm not trying to offend pastors in, in any way. That's just the research that Psychology Today wrote about. Uh, but people remember experiences and what it made them feel. And so I want that thing that they remember to be the powerful and strong and dynamic presence of Jesus. My secondary goal is, is really to—we want people to walk away feeling hopeful full of joy, with a deep sense of being connected to Jesus, that their faith would increase, that they would believe that God is for them and with them. A the third goal would be that we want to remind people what is true about God, what is true about them, and how He feels about them. Uh, Because I think so many people today, they beat themselves down constantly with discouragement, and they're constantly telling themselves that they're not enough. You have moms who are coming in who are saying, I'm not a good enough mom. You have dads who say, I'm never a good enough dad. And so we want to bring hope and infuse hope back into people. I think lastly, probably our our fourth goal would probably be that we want to create a service that's accessible both to those who are deeply rooted in their faith and then those who are new to their faith, those who are maybe even just exploring faith. And so uh, we do that by the way that we speak, because language matters. And so you don't want to use such insider language that you're constantly pushing the new person out, or they have to get an encyclopedia of Christianese to try and figure out what you're saying. And so those are just some of the things that we think about.
1: And, and I love that you had, I mean, you had a clear and concise answer for that, and I think sometimes it's really easy to just get into the room on Sunday and and go, okay, I've, I've seen it look like this, and I don't think we're even mindful of the fact that we're just like, okay, I've seen it done this way, so therefore this is the way we're going to do it, and I liked how it, you know, I thought it was cool, or I thought it was warm, or whatever it was, like, you know, it worked, and so you're trying to to emulate that, but the fact that you walk into the room and say, okay, what's, what's, what's the end in mind? What's What's the goal that we're trying to do? We're working with uh, pulling together like a photography team at our church, you know, a bunch of Mm -hmm. volunteers to help us with our social media presence and putting together a list of words of like, okay, when people see our photographs and we're trying to like engage the culture, you know, or share the culture with those that are, you know, maybe kicking the tires, looking at us on social media, but they haven't even seen, you know, they haven't been in the room yet. What do we want them to experience? Do we want it to be warm we want it to be friendly? Do we want it to be exciting? Do we want it to be passionate? And even just having a couple of words that you can give your photographers to say, okay, we want photographs that kind of invoke this emotion. Now there's a target in the wall. And and, and all of a sudden the other things as far as like how we're going to do this, all that stuff falls into place.
0: Yeah. I think the goal is not to be uh, the coolest church or the hippest church. If that's your goal, you're gonna find that that's fool's gold after a while. And and so really, uh, the thing that people are gonna remember, uh, because eventually after a while, they won't remember the special elements you do in your service or sometimes songs. But they will remember the fact that they had an authentic encounter with Jesus. I think we can all think back to a youth camp or to a, a church service we were in or a worship night where we, we felt a tangible sense of the presence of God. That never leaves a person. And so, um, and, and also sometimes if we're always looking how we can outdo ourselves in our previous uh, worship moments or experiences or creative moments we create, sometimes it, we can start pursuing those things in such a way where what you win people with, you win them too one of the things I found when, in previous church experiences is that we would always have to be do a new creative project every single week to re-engage people. And it almost became a thing where people just expected it. And we did so many that eventually like nothing was special because everything was special. Right. And so we want to be more thoughtful we want to focus on, really at the end of the day, when I walk away from a, a worship experience, I don't want to ask myself, did everyone play everything correctly? I mean, that is a good point of evaluation. We can talk about evaluation later. But I want to ask myself, was I obedient to what Christ put in my heart for this service? Was I faithful to what Jesus asked me to do as a leader, as a, as a worship pastor, to help pastor people into his presence?
1: what are some of the things that you are thinking of that you're mindful of? Like when you're planning a service and even like in rehearsals and all that kind of stuff, what are some of the things that you're thinking of that aren't songs? So besides the songs themselves, what are some of the things that you're mindful of and trying to like be intentional about?
0: Yeah. I think about what do we want to leave people with? Uh, What are the major things that like, uh, what do we, where do we want to create space for the Holy Spirit in this service? Like, where do we want to create—people have so much noise happening in their lives. Where do we want to create moments where people can exhale? And so do we have a moment of beauty? Do we have a moment where we're just hearing voices sing? Do we have moments of, uh, where things crescendo and things get really big and it's an apex moment? And, and really, uh, we want to lead people on a journey and not just sing a few songs, hear some announcements, go home or hear a message and go home. We want people to constantly be engaged in, not just in what they see, but what they hear, what they experience, what they feel, what they smell, those are things that we want to engage people with. And so sometimes that might look like a spoken word in the middle of worship or in the middle of a song. It may look like a spiritual direction moment in between songs where we'll we'll lead people on a journey. It may look like uh, where we might have a dance and a special uh, music number where, where all of a sudden this will help communicate move forward the message and the theme of the day. And so but we're always looking at like also, how do we want to end the service? What's the desired length of this service? We're constantly asking ourselves, is there a creative moment that needs to be created? Uh, And then also the other thing that kind of helps us determine that is how much runway do we have to pull off a creative moment? And so those are kind of some of the things that we think about. And I'm thinking about like, what do we want people to feel? What do we want them to experience? What do we want them to take away from that weekend? Those are the big nuggets of of how we kind of approach things.
1: Well, and there's a story, you know, from beginning to end, even when the person walks into the room, there's a story that you're telling and there's a journey that you're taking. And not to say that, you know, you're manipulating emotions or things like that, but you are, you know, just like, you know, when someone is delivering a message, the, the way that that message is delivered there's a, a a journey that you're taking people on, and, and 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 it's it sets the table for what you know what we see God do.
0: Yep, that's correct. You know, and I, I think we uh, as we set that table, I mean, yes, during worship, God prepares people's hearts so that they can hear the word of God that's yet to come. But in that place, uh, the worship, the teaching is there so that people become better worshipers. And worship helps cultivate our hearts and connects us to God. And so I think in those moments, there's something powerful that happens when faith is released, when an explosion of faith is released in praise, when dynamic worship happens. It's like there we encounter the presence of God. And so I think one of the main things we're always thinking about is we want to help people engage. And so we do that like in a multiple different ways. We're always thinking of like, how do we get people the songs, the congregation, the songs early? So oftentimes we'll post the song list before the weekend because we want people to be listening to those songs all throughout the week. Uh, As they listen to those songs, they get it in their heart. So when on Sunday, they're not surprised when we pull out a new song because they've already been singing it all along throughout the week. We'll post YouTube videos of the original artist doing it. Even though we may not totally sound like the original artist, we want to supply the body of Christ so that when we show up on Sunday, there's a high level of engagement, and that people can give their best to God. And so those are kind of the moments we're trying to create. And so we think about it not just in the service, we're thinking about it before the service. Because sometimes a song doesn't go over well when you introduce a new song, uh, because it's new to people. You know, they don't know how the melody line goes. If you can give them a day or two or a week of heads up before you go there— it's amazing how people will engage all the more in that song. So we've—that's one of the things that we really try to do because we want people to engage. We want people to experience Jesus. It's hard to experience when everything's coming at you new.
1: So talk to me a little bit about your process because you were mentioning, you know, earlier, like as you're looking at a service, you're like, Is, does there need to be a spoken word or a dance or some kind of creative thing to do um, that's out of the norm of of a band or whatever? So like, how does that? What's the process as far as getting from the sermon topic? to where you're at a place where you're making decisions on creative elements that are gonna go in?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, everybody's process is different. And there's no one-way, one-size-meets-all, but our process looks like this. Basically, our pastor determines uh, a year in advance the topics and themes he's going to be talking on throughout the year. And then about three to six months out, pastor, and he has a sermon content team, they begin to formulate ideas, key points, key verses, and the big idea for each week of the series then they'll come to us and they pitch the sermon to us. And then what we will do is we'll go away with some of the creative team, the worship pastors and the tech team. And then they the, when they pitch to us, then we get together, we pray about it. We break out for a couple hours and we start thinking through marketing breaks out, uh, production breaks out. Worship pastors break out. So marketing breaks out. They're thinking about bumpers and trailers and marketing, online, print, video content, uh, creative sermon illustrations, lower thirds. Uh, the, the production guys they break out and they think about stage design, creative illustrations. Also, we want to make sure we inform our tech guys early because nothing can violate that relationship like pulling something last minute on them. And then also uh, with our worship pastors, we talk about. Is there a certain worship song we want to do all throughout this series? Uh, We talk about, are there secular songs? Are there spoken words? Uh, Are there video ideas that are outside the box? And then we all come back together as a team, and we pitch our ideas to one another. Then we have a few other meetings where we kind of refine those ideas, and then uh, eventually what we do is we actually go back. we, We practice our pitch before we pitch it back to pastor. So we practice it out loud as a team and just to make sure this thing's refined. And then we go into pastor, we pitch our idea, we pitch all the concepts, the marketing, the video, we storyboard things, uh, we show him the songs, and then he gives us the thumbs up or thumbs down and that's what activates us actually moving towards those things. So typically that's about three months out and then we typically get our content done about two weeks before the actual is. That's our desired goal.
1: So, let me throw this this little wrench into it. So, um that's a lot of planning and that's a lot of thinking ahead. It is. So, what about a situation where a worship pastor is getting the sermon notes, you know, from their senior pastor the night before?
0: Yeah. I think that's that that's a unique challenge and I don't think it's well I think it's more common than we think, actually, uh, that, that, that pastors sometimes won't give their messages in time to the worship pastors for them to create something beautiful. I think one of the things you can do when you're in that spot, you can be proactive. You can, uh, if you think of ideas that you think would be great in that service, pitch them to your pastor. Like, hey, I'd like to try something like this. What weekend do you think that would fit in our service as well? Uh, To to offer things up as ideas to them and let them decide where it fits best. And then that might actually give them a launching pad for how they're going to shape or craft their messages. And so I think one of the things is is that we need to be idea generators for them. And so if we know like, hey, we're going to be in a series and it's going to be on Daniel and it's going to be for six weeks, we can start populating ideas if we have that much content. We can start thinking about, okay, do we want to do the song Another in the Fire by Hillsong? Do we need a certain unique print piece? They can ask questions to try and help get clarity ahead of time. Sometimes the pastors don't have their content done, and sometimes even for us, we might come into a weekend where pastors made a whole lot of changes, and some of the ideas that we've planned, we don't actually execute. And then you got to process and shepherd your own heart in that the fact that whatever you create for God is worship. And whether it's used or not, it's still worshiped.
1: Yeah. And I think also something to keep in mind, too, is that obviously, I mean, you've got a staff of a couple dozen people and people that are working full time to pull off a lot of these things. If you're in a situation where, like for me, I have myself and then we have a media director on staff. And so a lot of these things is, is between the two of us and a bunch of volunteers. And when you look at something that maybe, you know, battle Creek is doing, it's like, okay, we couldn't do that for every sermon series. You're right. Maybe you can't, but maybe you can do it for Christmas. Yeah. Maybe you can do it for Easter and say, okay, we may not be able to do that with everything, but let's start somewhere versus, you know, sometimes I, I think we feel defeated. We're like, okay, well, I can't even do that. I don't have all the people to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, you do, you have volunteers, uh, um, it's just going to take a little bit longer because they're volunteers and they have jobs during the day, but you can, you know, you can come up with these ideas and, and, and pour into them and allow them to speak into things. You just may not be able to do it as often and it might take a little bit longer, but you can still do it and just like pick one, say, okay, Easter for 2020, Yep. you know, and kind of go from there.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. I think, you know, one of the things, um, you don't always have to be original in all your ideas. I, I one time heard this saying, Darling Check said it. I think she took it from the Beatles. She said, good musicians borrow, but great musicians steal. And so this idea of all your content doesn't have to be original. You can take somebody else's idea and, and improve on it or contextualize it to your own setting, just because we do it one way with all these lights, you can do it in a different, more intimate setting and make it your own. And so always look how you can take other people's ideas, steal it and make it your own, give it your own contextualization. And I think that's a, I mean, I'm always watching different uh, TV shows or award shows, or I'm looking at churches, large and small going, how do they create these moments? I want to become a better person who helps
1: create moments for people where they can experience Jesus. Let's park there for a second, because you've said that a couple of times as far as like creating moments and, you know, in moments in that in that service. How do you guys do that in a way that I don't know, doesn't feel forced, but, you know, feels, you know, authentic and not like you're like trying to make something happen. But like, what's your process on that?
0: Yeah, I think in that, I mean, so let's talk about what a moment can be. A moment can be a song, it can be a spiritual direction moment where maybe you share a Bible verse and you have some application. It could be a special song, it could be a testimonial video, it could be a dance, it could be uh, all kinds of different things. And the thing I ask myself is, we're trying to create a moment, what is the purpose of that moment? What is the goal of it? What are we trying to accomplish? And, and what am I trying to communicate in this moment? Who am I creating this moment for? I always think about an individual who I know is sitting in our church and by name, and I'll say, I'm trying to create this moment for Henry. And I'm trying to shape this around something I might know that might be going on in his life. And I'm trying to shape it in a way to help lead him into having more faith and more trust in Jesus. And so also with that, I ask myself, uh, how does this moment, move the service along. I'm asking myself, does this moment set up the next element? Well, I'm always thinking about how does one song and an element or this, a song and a song or a song and the announcements or, or the announcements and the message, how is everything shaking hands? Everything has to have a flow to it. And I probably spend more of my time, not necessarily on the music, uh, but how things connect within a service. I'm always thinking about what is the flow of a service. Going back to like creating moments, we're always looking to to share from a transparent nature. So we're looking at like how can we be vulnerable? How can we be honest? I oftentimes think about like what moves me in in like when I watch a movie or a TV show. Uh, I'm thinking about like whenever I see two brothers who were opposed to one another and they come back, man, that just brings tears to my eyes. When I think about a parent and child who's had a strained relationship and all of a sudden they uh, they have a moment of, of repentance and reconnection, man, my heart goes out to that. I want to share stories and moments like that because those moments represent God's grace. And so I think about like, what moves me? And then also I think about what is an appropriate amount of vulnerability to share on a stage? Because you can share too much and it not be helpful to people. When I'm creating these moments or when we create these moments, uh, what I've discovered is, is uh that, that people, when you share, like, let's say if you're going to do a moment where you're going to share a scripture, people just don't want you to share a scripture. If you're going to talk about a song, they don't want you just to talk about the song. They want you to know, why does this matter to you? And then secondly, why should this matter to me? And so I'm always trying to connect, hey, here's how I experience this, or here's where this song is challenging me in my faith. I try and get vulnerable about, hey, uh, like there was recently a time where um, when I was young, uh, I was in sixth grade, uh, I used to wear really thick bottle cap glasses. And I got prayed for by this guy who came through our church, and God instantly healed my eyes, and I haven't had to wear glasses. I've had 20-20 vision since. Now, fast forward that to a moment I had four years ago, and I had a herniated disc in my back to the point where I was riding around the back of my wife's SUV like a dog. Uh, I I couldn't sit in a chair because I had so much pain going down my sciatic nerve, and it was just awful. Every weekend, I'd get up and lead worship, and may I just go back and lay down in the back and just in immense pain and just going, God, where are you? God, where are you in the midst of this struggle? I've seen you move now. And right now I'm in this pain and it's just not going away. It's been an 18-month journey. And I think for people, there's a lot of people who feel that. God, I've seen you be good in times past. And right now, my current present situation, I'm just asking, where are you at? And, and, and how we can still have hope. And I think about, you know, Lamentations, where Jeremiah says this in Lamentations 3. He goes through all these different things. He's looking at the city walls, and everything's laying in waste around him. And for 20-some verses, he goes on about how horrible things are. And then all of a sudden, there's a pivot moment where he turns to praise and he goes, I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So he he pours out his lament before God. And so teaching people... How to lament sometimes when they're in a difficult season, when they're believing God for healing and and nothing's happening, or when they're believing God that their marriage will be restored and nothing's happening, or when they're believing God that the relationship between that parent and that child will be restored and nothing's happening. That's those moments where we want to help connect people with transparency and authenticity to say, hey, I'm just like you, and I'm choosing to have hope. I'm choosing to praise and to worship in this moment. I think sometimes in church we can tell stories they have all been polished up and been clean, cleaned up. And it's like, yeah, I used to sin. Now God's in my life and now everything's great. Uh, but sometimes that's not where everyone's at in the room. And sometimes people, they've, gone, they've had a bad past. God met them. Their life has changed. They have hope. And all of a sudden they go through a really discouraging time. Maybe they go through a divorce or maybe they lose a, a child. Uh, I'm thinking about even today, there's a family at our church that we're doing a funeral for here in just a few minutes who had their 24-year-old daughter pass, uh, pass away, who took her life, and you go, what are the songs that they need to sing this weekend? And you got to think about, who are you pastoring? Who are you shepherding? So I always start when I'm trying to create moments with a person in mind, because I feel like well, I'm not just trying to get up there and to worship God. Yes, there is a vertical nature to this. And yes, that's my job as a worship pastor and as a worship leader. But also, I need to connect to people. And I need to connect people's hearts to God. I'm kind of like, a, I like to think of it kind of like the way that Zach Neese described in How to Worship a King. As a worship pastor, as a worship leader, my job is to be like if Jesus and his bride were out on a date, and they're sitting at a table. My job as a worship pastor is to, is, is to be a waiter. I'm there helping facilitate the conversation. I'm not trying to talk so much that I get in the way of the conversation that they're having, but I'm trying to help them connect better. I'm trying to help facilitate that moment. And so, and then I want to get out of the way. And then I want to be the bride. I am the bride. And so I want to be. I want to be connected to Jesus, but I don't want to talk so much in a way that takes a focus off of Jesus. Instead, puts a focus on my problems. Uh, when I share things and when people share things that are vulnerable, we want it all to point to the fact of, man, we're pointing to Christ. And sometimes we're still in the midst and we don't have resolution on the circumstance or situation that we're facing. But I have hope.
1: Man, so good. Kurt, are you ready now for the bonus round? I am. I'm ready. Bring it on. Come on. Here we go. The bonus round in three, two, one. Coffee or tea?
0: Uh, coffee. Nitro
1: cold brew with light heavy cream. Early riser or night owl? I am a
0: night owl. I have been known to send out emails at 1 o'clock in the morning. Not expecting my team to see them till the next day, but yes, I am a night owl.
1: Favorite TV or Netflix show? Ooh, I love The Office and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay, are you one of those guys with The Office, like you, you're, you're good with all of the seasons or just some of the seasons? Is there a certain point where you fall off?
0: So two days ago, my wife and I just finished watching again the last season of The American Office, and I hate the season where Jim and Pam have their relational issues. Like, I'm literally like on my couch, just feeling this torment of Jim and Pam and just going, come on, you guys reconnect with one another. I hated it. I've been fighting for you for this the entire time. Yes.
1: (sighs) in and out or Chick-fil-A?
0: Oh, in and out
1: Favorite book every creative should read? I think the book Replenished
0: by Lance Witt is an amazing book for anybody in ministry. Um, And here's the reason why. We We are a wholly connected person, a soul, a mind, a body, a spirit. And the truth of the matter is oftentimes we neglect the fact that we have a soul. And if you do good soul care, great art comes from having a healthy soul. And so this book Replenished has 42 chapters. Each chapter takes like three minutes to read. But I'm telling you, it will reshape your staff, it will reshape your own heart, it will reshape your ministry.
1: That's awesome. We'll put that in the show notes so you guys can check that out. Taylor or Martin? Oh, Taylor. Ooh. I
0: like, I like the brightness of it.
1: I do too. I like how it cuts through the mix. We, whether it's country or worship, it just cuts through that mix. It does. What is a hidden talent that you have that only a few people know about?
0: Oh, man. <laughs> you caught me off guard with this one. Um yeah, uh, that I am a uh, a master at Indoor Laser Tag. What? Yes. I love to school fools. It's all the years of playing Call of Duty and Fortnite and other things. I do love to play video games. And believe it or not, those things I learned in those games helped me
1: in Laser Tag. Is it just Laser Tag or like, you know, what about Nerf or any of that kind of stuff? Is it, is it really just Laser Tag?
0: No, it's Nerf too. It's all those things.
1: <laughs> are you the guy that walks up and down the halls of the church and, like, when people aren't suspecting it, like, you're, like, firing off a gun? Are you going to—are you reaching over? You just reached <laughs> over and showed me your Nerf gun on your desk. That's amazing! <clears throat> Oh. Oh. Yeah, so
0: a couple weeks ago, we we decided to uh, go hit one of the other departments with Nerf guns. And then I went and bought a bunch of snowballs, and we uh, we attacked another department with snowballs. Uh, so we're always trying to look at, like, how are we creating a fun environment? We want this to be the best place to work because, honestly, ministry can be exhausting. It takes the best of who you are, and, and we want to create it just to be a dynamic,
1: fun workplace. That's awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the bonus round. Give it yeah. up for Kurt. So let's talk a little bit about uh the evaluation process that you have in place. And I, you know, I think it's good to have something in place where after all is said and done, some things hit, some things don't, some things need to be improved upon. Um but how are you looking at your services and then taking that information and pouring that back into future moments that you're creating?
0: Yeah, I think we're always asking ourselves uh when there's a mistake or something we're always asking ourselves how do we gain this learning? How do we apply this to next time? So we're always talking about like, Hey, if there's a, if there's a mess up or a mistake, How is this going to apply in the future? Now, I think we've all been in cultures that have had uh, toxic evaluation processes where everyone's walking around in fear. Uh, I think that there's some places where there's healthy environments. And I think sometimes people treat uh, evaluation processes or the the word feedback like the F word. They treat it like any time that we talk about feedback, they get afraid. And so I think really we need to normalize feedback to people uh, in evaluation and I think that feedback really can be appreciation, coaching, and evaluation. When leading people, one of our primary roles as leaders and pastors is to help them hone uh, their skills by giving them and, and, and also by us receiving feedback. And the reason why is because we love people. We're trying to help develop people. We want to help them grow and develop. We're not simply looking for compliance of their behavior or actions. I'm not just looking for you to play that lead guitar part perfectly every time. Uh, I, I want to love you, and I want to grow you as an individual. We try to see the church that's next door to us and we try and replicate what they do. But the truth of the matter is our constraints aren't the same as theirs. So um, for most people, coaching... Uh, They have fear around it. So it's our jobs as uh, shepherds, as leaders, as pastors, to make it safe and to normalize it. And so I believe that a healthy, strong worship culture is one where we have high standards of what we expect of people, but also high grace in their development. Uh, We want to have a culture where we strive to give our best, uh, but where people can grow in their skills. And cultures that have a high level of fear will always struggle to be innovative cultures. Uh, People who are afraid of messing up will rarely try something new. Uh, This is not excuse. Excuse for us to be sloppy. But the truth of the matter is, if if you have fear too much in your culture, no one's ever going to try anything new. And so we want to give people coaching because we believe in them, Uh, not just what we want from them, but what we want for them. And also feedback has to go both ways. So coaching, evaluation has to go both ways. So even though I give my team that, I always make sure I watch this is tone and timing. Those two things, if you're ever going to challenge somebody on something, you've got to check that. I always lead with what they're doing well before I try to address what they're not doing well. And I'm also asking my team. I'll go to our sound engineer. And I said to our sound engineer, Justin, I said, hey, are there anything that me or the band or the singers can do to serve you better? I'm always asking uh, our, our, our vocalists, hey, any feedback for me? or our band. Hey, any feedback for me? I'm always looking for, how can I gain feedback? Because the truth of the matter is, all of us have blind spots. And sometimes when you're in a leadership role for long enough, you think, oh, I don't have blind spots, or, or I know my skill sets. I know what I do right. I know what I do wrong. And the truth of the matter is, uh, we need others to help us see our blind spots. The only way you can get that and to create a safe environment is to ask for that feedback. When you ask for that feedback, what you'll find is that people will ask you for your feedback back to them. And so, what it does is it creates this co mutual serving of one another. And so, I think the nuts and bolts of it, how do we evaluate a service exactly? On Monday, our team uh, splits off, our worship team and our production team split off. And we look at what, what we can celebrate. We're looking for what did, uh, for not necessarily where did someone have a little mistake. But we're looking at, like what are the patterns that we see? Are there patterns of mistakes that we see happening? Uh, Because everyone's going to make mistakes from time to time. Every once in a while, my voice is going to do something weird. I'm going to have some snot drop down the back of my throat, and I'm going to cough in the middle of a song. Or I might not hit a note as strongly. Or I might go flat. There's all kinds of things that I might do that may uh, not—that I need uh, to—they're one-time mistakes. But what we really need to pay attention to is the trends. And so we post on Vimeo and also on our Facebook stream, our services, so that our worship team members, when we encourage them, guys, go watch those services. Evaluate yourself. There's nothing that will show you what you're doing well and what you're not doing well by you watching it yourself. The best coach is going to be yourself. And then oftentimes what I'll do is I'll say, hey, did you watch that service? Um, what were your thoughts? How would you have coached yourself? And I'll ask them that. And then most of the time they will tell me whatever I said. So a few weeks ago I had a a, a person on our worship team and I said, hey, have you watched the services of this last weekend? And they said, no, not yet. And I said, hey, why don't you watch it? I'd love to hear what you thought about what you experienced by watching yourself on stage. And they came back to me with exactly the feedback I was gonna say to them. And I said, man, I think you got some really good learnings there. I think my only coaching for you would be is next time think about whatever you do that's on the stage, whether it's clapping or lifting your hands, sometimes it can look really small so you've got to kind of really exaggerate your movements in such a way that it communicates the truth that's in your heart. Because I know the truth that's in your heart, which is, man, you love Jesus fully, passionately. You want to give him everything you have. And that's what the lyrics of that song are singing. I just want you to fully express that in your body. Because if you if you act in a reserved way, it's not serving anyone well. It's not leading people well.
1: So here's a few things that I'm taking away from this conversation. Creating moments within a service is just being intentional about what you want people to experience and to feel from start to finish, thinking about the entire journey you're taking people on and to give people a moment to exhale and to experience God and His presence. These moments can be a special song or a testimony or a video or a spoken word or a spiritual direction like sharing a Bible verse. We need to make sure that moments have a purpose and that you can clearly articulate that purpose and clearly describe the person that that moment is for. And for those that don't have the structure in place to be able to plan this far in advance, you can still do something. Be proactive with your senior pastor and offer ideas and see where he thinks they might best fit. When it comes to feedback, we need to see this as a way to help our people be better, for them to hone their skills. It should include appreciation Coaching and evaluation. And don't worry so much about the one-timer mistakes. That happens to all of us. But do look for trends and try to correct those. Feedback is valuable. We also need to make sure that there's a balance, that we're cultivating a healthy culture for feedback to exist in. And it's important to create on-rants for people to give us feedback. As well. There's a lot of wisdom here, and I've already been experimenting with some of these things in my own ministry. By the way, I mentioned that I used to live in the Chicago suburbs about 15 minutes from the main Willow Creek campus where Kurt used to be. I actually was at Willow last year for the Philo Conference, and I made a YouTube video about it. And at the end of it, I drove up to my old house that I grew up in. Just in case you're curious, you didn't want to check that out, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. You know the drill. Show notes for this episode, everything that you want to find that we talked about, you can find it at Practical Blog. Dot com slash podcast twenty-three. I just read this iTunes review from Jason Colvin. It said, if you lead worship or just sing in the church choir, this is the podcast for you. Dave does a great job of presenting an enjoyable show while sharing valuable insight to everyone who enjoys worship music. His guests are knowledgeable and the pace is fun. Highly recommended. Jason, I really do appreciate you saying that. Full disclosure. Jason is a good friend of mine that recently started the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast where they talk about iconic 80s culture from music to movies, and they'll pick like two songs or two movies, and they'll kind of like go back and forth, which one was better from the 80s. It's a really neat concept. You should check it out. Jason, I really do thank you for saying that. One, because I know that you really do mean that. But two, as a fellow podcaster, he knows how important those iTunes ratings and reviews are because that's what iTunes uses to get a pulse on a podcast and whether or not it should recommend it to other people. So, If you'd consider leaving an honest five-star rating and review, I would forever be in your debt. And if this episode has been helpful for you and your ministry, consider sending a link to someone else that you know, or maybe screenshot your phone right now and post it on social media. And if you do that, tag me in it by using at Dave Dolphin. Okay, I'd love to see it. This has been the Practical Worship Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dave Dolphin, and let's do this again next month. I love to school fools.